Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I had to cover the mountains Sam Precop is a gifted musician, photographer, painter, songwriter, and singer based in Chicago, Illinois. Since 1994, Sam has been the voice of and mind behind the songs of The Sea and Cake, an excellent and influential band that has long featured musical contributions by Archer Pruitt and John McIntyre, and after the recent departure of original bassist Eric Claridge, now includes McIntyre's tortoise bandmate Doug McCombs. On May 11, 2018, Thrill Jockey Records released Any Day, the gorgeous 11th album by The Sea and Cake, and ahead of some upcoming tour dates, Sam and I reconnected for a talk about the membership and geographic shifts within his band, his unique approach to singing and writing lyrics, how a band processes time after almost 25 years together, the current state of America and its impact on him artistically, and much, much more. With the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast, spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control. Plus, in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 442nd episode of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant Sam Precop of The Sea and Cake, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, good. It's nice to speak with you again. Where in the world are you? I'm in Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. That's one of my favorite cities. How long have you been in Chicago? My whole life, basically. I wasn't born here, but I've lived here since I was five, I guess. About. Okay, where, where were you born? 
Uh, London. London, Ontario. England. Oh, sorry, we have a London here, so I know it's all. Al- it's always very sorry, confusing. I should have. I should have. Clarified. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just joking. I I didn't realize you were born in London. That and you, your family came to America for any particular reason that you can recall. So they're not English. They were on. Uh, they were in school actually. My dad was on a Fulbright and in, in art school at the time actually. Oh, okay, okay. So they're American. So I'm not English. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Well, I I there's something new, right away. I did not know that. Okay. And Chicago's cool. Everything's good in Chicago. Uh, yeah great it's been beautiful here lately in fact just earlier today i'm like wow really <laughs> really great excellent weather beautiful sky you know everything's great yeah well it's, it's because the climate is changing i think there's a i know unfortunately there is that dark side to it <laughs> there's a pro and con to the unseasonably nice weather yes it's true well exactly. uh, i i uh, appreciate this time today because i think the last time you and i uh, spoke was uh, for when we when uh, Runner came out in 2012. Is that uh, is that that's probably right? You maybe don't probably know. right. Yeah, yeah probably right. right. And it seems to me uh, there's been some quite significant uh, changes in uh, the Sea and Cake since we last spoke. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but can you speak to that? Is the band the band feels different, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Well, our a longtime member uh, Eric Claridge did not participate in this record although he's not been in the band for quite a while so um and we've been working with doug mccombs on bass who toured a lot with us uh for the runner record as well so it's it's new to the public but he's been with us for quite a while anyways but um but yeah so we wrote it as a three-piece and that changed it up quite a bit and also john uh mcintyre moved to uh California, so a lot of the record was worked on in, uh, he was in LA at the time, but now he's since moved to uh, outside of San Francisco. He's setting up a studio in uh, Nevada City, California, which is a couple of hours east of uh, San Francisco. I, I did not know this. The last time I talked to John, he was still yeah. in uh, Chicago. Do you know what prompted that? It's been sort of a long time goal of his. I, I mean, he's been going to Nevada City over the past, you know, for quite a while just to visit and vacation and stuff. And he's, I guess he's just become, you know, smitten with the town, basically. And I think um, it seemed really sudden to all of us in a way. You know, one minute he just, he didn't say, I'm thinking about it. He's like, I'm leaving tomorrow kind of thing. Wow. So we're like, what the? Yeah. But he, John Kim is quite an enigma in general, I have to say. So. <laughs> None of us were actually surprised that this is how it would go, kind of, but um, he's really into it. And we actually went by, uh, so in June, I guess, we were out in California playing shows, and we were able to um, visit his house, uh, and it's, you know, amazing and beautiful, the whole thing. So Um, he was just barely beginning to build the studio, and I think now at this point it's almost... If not up and running, really close. I think. Well, I don't. I don't uh, mean to have you speak on behalf of John and and his life and professional decisions, but yeah, what can you speak to this? Just because this is news to me, what what does this mean for Soma in Chicago? His studio in Chicago is it just sort of? It's uh, gone. Done. Yeah. Wow. Done. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, and so he's 
starting up. And so now it's Soma West Coast, basically. Soma West Coast. Okay. Wow. Right. So that is a fair that. So I didn't even know about that part. I was aware that Eric had departed. Uh, so that is a right. that's a fair amount of tumult, if I might say, if I might use that word, which I, I don't often use out loud. So it felt uncomfortable to say it. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Tumult. Yes. Anyway, the, right, some, right. something's. Do you do you feel this? There's a seismic shift in the sea and cake. Well, it felt pretty gradual from my perspective. I mean, like I was saying, Eric, he quit or decided he couldn't play any longer right before we were going to go on tour for Runner. So that was quite a while ago. So it's been in our mind that he's not won't be playing with us for quite a while. Now, to actually make a record, which I wasn't sure was going to happen, you know, if, if we would make one without him or not, or if I felt like it was going to work or whatever. And then, because I've also been heavily involved with my solo work as, you know, this electronic stuff I've been doing and all that stuff. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't, you know, I don't know what's, if I'm still up for the seeing cake or what's going on. But I was, had kept an open mind. And then once a certain amount of time passed, I just, you know, I'm, I asked Arch and John if they were at all interested and in that I would see what happened, you know, playing, start writing some songs and playing guitar and stuff. And they were um, quite excited and were like, yes, let's do it. It's going to be, you know, amazing. And we were sort of, we were excited by the prospect of actually, work, you know, scared and excited about working as a three-piece in a way. I think we just felt that. It would be a shame to, uh, you know, discard this, our long working re relationship if we didn't have to. So that's how we proceeded. And I, I will say that it was, um, I think it was more difficult than any of us anticipated in a way. I mean, it was sort of a weird record because uh, um, a lot of it was worked on remotely. You know, sort of, I worked on it a lot on my own in my home studio and John was already out in California. So it was sort of protracted way of working on it i mean we spent quite a bit of time in the beginning rehearsing and doing the um the basic tracks here in chicago at a different studio and we were quite excited right up to that point but then it sort of uh with john not entirely settled with his new studio and stuff um the sort of mixing and overdub part seemed to take longer than we would have liked in some ways. I mean, I think it definitely worked out in the end, but it was, uh, I'm, I'll just say I'm looking forward to the next record ah. where we will attempt to be in the same room for most of it. I think I've decided that I want to write the record and record it. And then that's, you know, it's done finished and that's going to, instead of really stretching it out and, and I think that will make for a different kind of record anyway, so I'm do, excited. Do you mean there'd just be less fussing over things? Uh, a bit, yeah. I mean, I feel like, for me, the vocals take the longest and is definitely the most work. And I just feel like, um, so because I'm always writing after the music, in a way, and I feel like it could be nice to um, work on them simultaneously and just, you know, not over-labor them or something, or just have it more upfront. And so basically my idea is to come up with some songs and have the words ready and just sing it in the studio with the band. Not like a live recording, but just more less protracted in that way. Okay. I want to follow up on that in a moment, just in terms of your lyric writing on this record, uh -huh. because I feel like 
there's some stuff going on in terms of what you just addressed uh, and then in terms of what I'm trying to pick up on with some of these lyrical abstractions and and I think some of the more direct aspects of them. But uh, I I do think it's probably worth speaking about how uh, Eric's departure, and I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that John McIntyre kind of stepped into the bass playing role for the record. Um, first, First of all, is that accurate? He did play a lot of the bass, yeah. Archer actually played on a handful of songs as well um the thing with john is he's actually played uh bass in the past on uh some sea and cake songs so the song weekend is sort of a bass line that john actually wrote and played on cue so i think that was a cue like okay yeah john oh okay he could be up for this task you know and he's done other ones too like um yeah the names are Totally escaping. Well, no, no. Just... Echo, and Echo In is another one. I think he wrote the bass on that. Yeah, we felt like he he was up for it, and he felt like he could he could do it. Now it didn't work on everything, and that was um, not a surprise. You know, I mean, it's sort of not. I I, I guess one thing we did learn though is that uh, there's a reason people focus on bass. You know, there's enough to uh, master in that on that instrument, of course. So it's hard to just. I think in some ways we're mistaken to think that you could just step in on bass and not be, not pose any issues in a way or whatever. So, well, just because it's a foundational instrument, you said master, and uh, my mind went two ways. One, uh, you know, mastery of an instrument, but then I also thought about mastering for some reason. Uh, right. <laughs> when, when, when you say uh, that uh, you were surprised by the role of the bass, uh, just just as I was saying, you just. I mean, it is a foundational aspect of... of Yeah, I mean, I think just to be confronted with not having someone who is solely focused on a bass presented itself. So I think we are like... um, I have a feeling, you'd have to ask John, but I I have a feeling that we didn't expect it to be such a hurdle when we started. And on some songs, it wasn't. You know, they don't need, um, you know, bass lines... Uh, I will. I will say a lot of the bass lines on this record are definitely more in a support role than, and that was one of Eric's great breakthroughs or facilities was almost playing the bass as if it was like a lead melodic instrument in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I and so I'm. Def, we you know we all definitely felt Eric was a completely great play, bass player and very unique in in every way. But we couldn't make him play anymore, so you know we had to move on to the next thing. Is there? I, I gather a kind of open-ended tone to your discussion about Eric's role in the band. Like you, you kind of said he left, but that you also said something like he wasn't going to play on for this record and this tour. Like, do you expect that he may return at some point? Um, I would highly doubt it. He's he had to quit because of a physical ailment, so oh. he can no longer physically play. Oh, that's sad. The bass oh. he had developed like a carpal tunnel of his fretting hand, basically. Oh no! Hmm. And he was able to sort of pull it off. I mean, for years it had been bothering him, and so it had been a struggle. I don't think any of us realized exactly how bad it was, and I think he just decided he couldn't actually do it anymore i mean i think maybe he could have participated a bit on the record or whatever but it's sort of you know you have to be 
has to be all or nothing kind of, I think, to really do it. Yeah. So no, that, that's, that's the problem. So, yeah, that's why he couldn't play any longer, basically. That's really sad. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is that with Eric's departure and your work as a three-piece uh, on this record, uh, any day, which is a beautiful, beautiful record. I don't think I got to say that before, but uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just it's very lovely, and it it um, captivates me, like I said earlier. And again, I don't mean to defer, but we will talk about uh, some of these uh, lyrics in a moment. But in terms of the music, with with Eric's departure, with everyone else sort of trying to step in, uh, do you feel like the band's sound changed? It seems to be more guitar oriented, perhaps a little less synthesized uh, on some level. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, definitely. I don't think it was um, our intention necessarily up front. You know, I'm a real proponent of following the work, you know, and sort of paying attention to what direction the sort of material wants to take you, sort of. So, yeah, it, for me, it sounds very guitar-centric and, and very vocal-centric as well. I mean, I I think in some ways I was perhaps overcompensating for the lack of... Uh, you know synthesizers and all this sort of extra stuff that we like to do um sorry do you mean as but, a, as a vocalist you were overcompensating well i think i just sang more than i normally would you know i mean i feel like i sang all over everything perhaps yeah. uh to to its detriment in some some ways but um that's what the material was saying you should sing as much as possible all over the stuff i think it was partially because I was left with so much time because uh, things kept getting moved back further. And I'm like, well, I think I could, you know, get these vocals to work better in the song. And so um, I would get them to a point where on previous records, I would have stopped there on this record. I'm like, well, I think I can, you know, take it to the next level, perhaps or whatever. So that's sort of, so it's the result of having more time in a good way and maybe not in the best way. It depends on how you look at it. Was there any other aspect of your sort of life circumstance that impacted your your uh, approach to singing? I, I talk about this on the show sometimes. I'm not a singer by any measure, but I do sing to my kids and stuff. And since my kids uh-huh. have, since my kids have been around, I've been singing a lot more, uh, and I have uh, sing them to sleep and stuff like that. And and so as a result, I've kind of learned about my singing voice and and I'm like oh I didn't know I could kind of try to do that. And I mean obviously I can't do everything, but that's just a thing that's occurred over the last 7 years. Has anything happened in your life uh, that's altered your approach to to being a singer? Hmm. A good question. I don't I I never think of myself as a singer. Uh, you know, first I never say, "Oh, I'm a singer songwriter." I guess I, you know, I usually so, you know, I'm a musician. So anyway, but singer is not what I think of first when I think of what I do, which is kind of odd, I guess. Um, hmm. And I enjoy it once I get over a certain threshold. I mean, it's definitely the most difficult thing that I do of all of my pursuits, I would say. Um, and therefore the most rewarding in a perverse sort of way when I feel like I've pulled it off in a way. It's not something I do for fun ever, which is kind of interesting as well. Like I don't actually sit around and I only sing when I have to, which is kind of weird, I think, as well. You don't sing along um, to the radio or the stereo? No, or... not really. I'm not like, like I say, I never 
yeah, I don't just sing for kicks, really, which is kind of that's the, odd that's in a way. I mean, I think it's fascinating. But you, have, you have a very distinctive voice and in a and a, a distinctive approach to singing. I right, and I think that's because I'm not a singer, really. You know, I, I I'm a person who does it a lot and have has done it for a really long time in a very singular sort of way, and as a result, it doesn't sound like much else <laughs> i don't think are you um, are you ever approached to sing on other people's records like in recent years i have on occasion uh not too often i can um so i sang on a broken social scene song yeah i did that i sang on a prefuse 73 track that was a really long time ago. Yeah, that was in the what, 90s, maybe? I can't, uh, I can't it may have been, yeah. 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 And also like a Rebecca Gates song. Uh, so a handful of things um, I've done. Hmm. A couple other things. Some, some O'Rourke, Jim O'Rourke track, I think. and uh, So, yeah. But but not, not a lot. Not a lot, okay. Um, I'm, I'm approached, I think, more often by people, and but it hasn't. You know, it doesn't always work out, or what? You know, I don't know. But that but, must that must be a testament. I I know you're you're expressing some self consciousness about your singing, but the fact that external to your own project, like you know, external requests come in every once in a while, that must speak to something. Your voice is speaking to people. Um. Yeah. No, I recognize that I have, uh, you know, a pretty unique sounding voice and approach to singing stuff so i'm not I, i'm not yeah i'm not saying that i'm terrible <laughs> no no i'm not i'm not a bad singer really um but it's true it wouldn't I, I people often think that i'm sort of hanging out and playing with a lot of people in chicago and stuff and um you know that's the melting pot of musicians you know cross reading on new material and stuff. And <laughs> right. I, I'm always like, unless I'm leading the situation, I can't play anybody else's music or sing on it. Really. It has to be my thing. That's just how it, that's just how I am. It's not by choice. It's just, you know, because I'm not actually, you know, I don't read music. And um, I think what I know how to do is so specific to my own work that if you want that, it could work otherwise. Yeah, that's what you're gonna get, whether you like it or not. Right. So. Okay. So it's a very personal expression you're you're singing. Right, and it's not necessarily by choice, but it's how I've worked for such a long time, and that's that's the result, you know, of, of being solely focused in this way. I think. Yeah. No, I, I I can appreciate what you're saying. This brings me back finally to your approach to songwriting and, and lyric writing, because right. there are moments on this record where I feel like I'm. I'm not sure what's happening, which I think is good. I, I'm not. Right. Uh, I'm not complaining. I just, uh, but I am curious about certain aspects of your approach to songwriting on this record and whether it how that might compare to previous approaches. Because there, there's a okay. The, the title track here, um, something tells me you're not missing my call it ordinary conditions starting. Yeah, I can't help it. Where I'm going to the, I'm the closer. Start off visions favored like an old time. This is, to me, it sounds like automatic writing. It sounds like just language experimentation, like nothing p 
particular like i get what's going on on some level but it feels incoherent at the same time and i'm just curious right. that seems to be that comes up quite a bit i think on this record where i'm set, i feel like i'm part of a i'm in a scene with the song i can kind right. of get a sense of place but it's very woozy and strange is this a departure for you in some way I think the results are different than in the past somewhat. My approach is not changed, I don't think. However, it's, um, you know, so the, the foundations of how I get to those words and how it, they make sense to me musically and uh, lyrically, I don't think that has changed so much. But what has come out this time does feel a bit different, denser. And I mean, I think it's also the result. There's just a lot more singing, basically. Does the singing dictate the lyrical motifs, though? Um, it really happens hand in hand. I mean, uh, so I'm never... It's rare where I'm like, I really need to use these words in this song. Sort of each one I find, and it's very intuitive, like what feels right to that particular song and then I'll, I'll feed off of that what's sort of interesting about what I've happened upon so yeah it, it is quite abstract and um, off the cuff and nonsense as well but I feel like when they work any sort of they resonate beyond any of my sort of direct intention and I find that quite interesting you know sort of subconscious display of anything and everything in a way I mean, I I presume you you are subscribing to the notion that such material, such words, are open to the listeners' interpretation for the most part. Um, yeah, that's complete. That's yeah, that's fine with me, and I assume that's that's what would have to be happening. I mean, I the way I hear it is sort of quite malle malleable as well. And as I sing the songs live, you know, certain. Um, I sort of recognize some things I might like, not like about certain aspects of the lyrics. Um, after having lived with them for a while, the songs change uh, for me as well. In retrospect, this record is, um, it has a darker tone lyrically than in the past, I think, or more melancholic. And, and I think it's just, you know, it's sort of a middle-aged record, I think. You know, laments of a long working artist type, you know, in a way. But there's also, you know, a lot of joy in there as well, too. So it's a mixed bag. Okay, so we, we've touched upon this notion that for you, the songs are malleable. They're open to interpretation. They are a little off the cuff. There's some abstraction here. But mm -hmm. if you step back and look at it as you've been playing these songs now for quite some time and singing them and, and they've altered a little bit like do you have a perspective on maybe an underlying or even overarching meaning or intent going on within the lyrics at least i mean i'd say in general the general arc is there like sad songs <laughs> in a way um not entirely and i am not and i hope they don't come off as like um i mean i think it's just sort of to me, they sound like the struggles of someone working in this realm for a really long time, basically. Is it um, is it your struggle? Because the, and I know, you know, there are 
literary and lyrical devices at play here, but you employ the first person pronoun I a lot. I, I almost right. on virtually every song. I know these are your songs, and I know that they right. are the the end result of a personal expression. You're feeling these struggles, I assume. Right. So this is this is some. But I don't feel like it needs to be. I think it's implied rather than in explicit, which is fine with me. That's. I also don't want to, you know, shut them down with uh, overreaching sort of meaning like that basically i think they would be less interesting if if they were really directly about you know my frustrations as an artist right now basically so that's not my intent but i sense that's what's coming through what about uh, i don't mean to hit this point too hard but with eric forced out of music forced out of an artistic expression does that impact you as a writer it may be i can't say it it has directly not, I, I'm not sure I don't think so I mean now that you mention it I suppose you know in a way he could be thought of as a casualty of this you know the long drawn out career not quite going <laughs> going anywhere in, in a sense or something yeah I just um, I just wonder if that finite that's when you reach that middle age when you reach middle age I think right. you, you and your friends reach middle age, your contemporaries and your collaborators, stuff starts to happen uh, physi- right. physiologically and we laugh it off. Oh, I'm getting old, but right, right. you can't actually have these devastating uh, impacts and effects and it's time. It's just time rearing its head. And- right. I think, I, yeah, I think you may. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think that's quite perceptive uh, on your part. I don't, I mean, in a way, it's a, the record that we've made, you know, I don't know if it's our 10th record or whatever. So it's also defiant in a way, you know, like, okay, Here's another record of exactly what we want to do kind of thing. And we obviously don't care what most people think in a way, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of I think it's um, in a way our, our career has been a triumph in another way is that, you know, I've been able to do exactly what I want for a really long time and people are still interested in what we're doing. And so I definitely don't want to be, complaining or whining at all no i I, it doesn't come across that way in fact like the way you say there are darker themes to this record we've touched upon some possible ideas but the music Mm -hmm. is generally rather upbeat sort of propulsive 
pop oriented, you know, guitar rock oriented. Kind of, like it's mostly quite an upbeat record uh, musically. Right. So I right. think that kind of offsets and and your singing is similarly it's not downcast, it's quite expressive. The phrasing is quite right, right. it's like active phrasing as well. Like you're you're adding things here and there, little flourishes. Like it seems like a very engaged yeah, just I just want people who haven't heard it yet or are about to listen to it to not get the impression it's a downer. Um, right? No, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. So, this, and I assume that that's an organic thing that occurred, like the music. Sorry, did you say the music came first and then you kind of applied ideas and vocals? So I usually write the music um, without thinking too much about what the singing is going to be. So, and that's sort of an odd approach that we've used forever basically so i kind of come up with the music stuff and then fit the the singing to it after the fact kind of and that's hasn't changed on this record yeah um and i think it makes for more interesting music because i think there's just things you wouldn't do if you were worried about you know supporting the vocals basically Hmm. and so that's always been my ideas now, however, when I'm writing songs at this point, I can use, you know, I can feel intuitively if this kind of work is going to, you know, end up working out or if it will be completely impossible for me to deal with later. Now, that has happened that I've had to make. So, like, I cover the mountain. The original takes for that were completely different. You know, it was sort of like three songs buttered up at once. And I'm like, okay, this is not happening and so in post i re-edited everything you know took out most of the parts and uh oh. changed the sound of the guitars and it became a radically different song um when i faced having to sing on it and then there's other songs like uh these falling arms which even though i didn't sing while we were writing it but that song was just archer and i sitting around and um playing around and i i'm almost sure i was probably humming along what it sort of wrote itself instantly and i you know you could say it's set up to be like a vocal song kind of i see on so yeah i want to ask about that song just because the expression uh kind of compels me to ask about it i had to cover the mountain on and gone away i had to follow the moonlight falling against the ocean cover the mountain is that an expression uh, that you picked up somewhere or i just haven't i don't think so i think i just you know, it just showed up to me. I those are like my my. That's my favorite couplet. I think um, it's an interesting one. It's elemental, but I don't quite understand. What does "cover the mountain" mean to you? I think I just meant you know, like climbing to the top of it, kind of thing. Basically. Oh, okay. But I'd like to not say, you know, it's sort of like, yeah. I to my mind, it's something sort of like that. You know, climb the top of the mountain, sort of thing. Okay. But I like, I prefer the idea of cover, you know, because it could be referring back to the, you know, like cloud cover or something like that. I don't know. It's sort of, um, I mean, those are my favorite kinds of lyrics where, yeah, they seem absolutely elemental. And it's almost like the name of the band, The Sea and Cake. It's sort of, yeah. why is that odder than it should be? It's just very, too very, certainly not exceptional words, but it's just in the way they're put together. And that the meaning is always in flux, and it's so, those kinds of lines I'm really interested in. And sort of, I cover the mountain. Is when you, along those lines, I think. if you think about your practice as a lyric writer, are yeah. you 
is it other songwriters that maybe influence you? Are you you seem to me to be just based on your lyric writing? I I've always thought of you as kind of maybe an active reader. Uh, I don't want to sound academic or snobby about that, but I just think that you have a relationship with language, maybe poetry even, that suggests that you have consumed a lot of language uh, in some capacity. And I'm just curious if you can speak to that. I have to admit, I have not, actually. Just watch a lot of TV? Uh, what, what do you do? Do you go to the movies? So I'm always working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even go to movies. So I, I used to paint all the time. That was my big thing. And yeah. now I do a lot of photo stuff and or music. If And if I have a choice, I'm doing any one of those things at all times, basically. So I'm not I'm not a great reader. I mean, I certainly read, but and I the other interesting thing is I almost never pay attention to uh, anyone else's lyrics. It's a, a, like when I'm listening to music, I never the lyrics almost don't matter to me. That's most of the time. really fascinating. Like, I I employed which this... is pretty weird. I don't know if I've ever said that, and now that you mention, I think it's just something I'm realizing now. It's like I. The lyrics, I almost can never, you know, I, I doubt that I could recite anybody's lyrics. I mean, I can barely recite my own, you know. Really. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you suppose that says about you? I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's sort of odd. I'm not saying, I guess I notice bad lyrics uh, much sooner and quicker than, than really good ones in a way. But. but there's, there's a lyrical structure here that sort of suggests that, I don't, it doesn't seem to me on this record in particular, but in, in general, if I can speak generally of your work, like I don't f hear like a father to the style of what you're up to, but there does seem to be a, a certain recognition of the economy of language, uh, the, the way things can and can be structured. And, and there's kind of an open-ended appreciation of that. And I, right. I can't help but wonder if that comes from somewhere, but it sounds like by your own estimation it's just the way you write it doesn't necessarily it's not derived from any one or any other kind of practice yeah i i mean I, yeah i admit it's like language and writing is not something i've really studied i mean i've always been more focused on visual art basically that's interesting because there's a vividness to your writing on this record in particular too like i said earlier i feel like i'm in a scene trying to make out what's going on in every song. Uh, right. And, and I think that's that speaks to your the visual aspect of your use of language, frankly. It could be. I don't know. It's not something I would prescribe, you know, like I need to sort of get at what I'm interested in visually with these words, really. I mean, I hope that for me, you know, the best thing that can happen is that it feels utterly natural and that I couldn't do anything else. That's like the highest praise in my mind. It's sort of, you know, this is the essence of how I work. And this is what it sounds like. Sam, are, are you beginning to get concerned that I'm working on some kind of master's thesis about the C&K? Yeah, this is pretty hardcore. I didn't think of, I didn't plan, <laughs> I had no plans or notes. I had, right. I didn't plan to take us down this road and I apologize if it's getting a little too whatever. But, uh, no, it's fine. It's it's uh, been quite quite interesting. It's kind of fascinating to me about just the way you set up scenes. Like it's it's got a cinematic. I hate when people say this kind of thing, but there is this sort of cinematic aspect to what's going on. Like I do feel like I'm in off kilter 
uh, scenarios with each song. And I feel like y- you are uh, as the writer, like there's just, you're, you're painting portraits or setting scenes in a, in a strange way. And it just makes me want to figure it out, but maybe there's, maybe not everything needs to be figured out, I guess is where I'm landing. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm definitely a proponent of don't have to figure everything out. Okay. Well, mission accomplished. I mean, I think they, it just boils <laughs> down to what is interesting to listen to and what works and the whole visual thing. Um, it's not something I would set out to do, but I assume and hope that it's probably happening. I mean, it does for me, you know, that sort of conjures certain scenes or visualizations in a way. And I think that's completely fine and seems to make sense if you work in sort of nonlinear language and stuff like that, sort of allow abstractions to exist within songs and stuff. Well, we've talked about your personal feelings, maybe about being an artist. We've talked about whether or not Eric's uh, situation has maybe impacted you as a writer. What about just sort of general universal world stuff, you know, this time, this era. Um, right. I'm just curious, do you feel like that's coming in here? I feel like there's allusions to dishonesty and 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 uh, and strangeness in terms of people's uh, relationship with information. I feel like that kind of comes up here and there. Like, do you feel like you were anything about uh, the current state of affairs, so to speak? Has that informed you as a writer? I think so. It's definitely... Um definitely in the air i mean this this trump era has been um quite distressing for me in a weird way i've never been you know intensely politically active but i really resent trump on every on all and every level and one of the main things is that he's been so utterly distracting in every aspect of everybody's life. And I, I really resent that. Yeah. That it's, he, you know, I feel like I'm having a hard time working lately because I mean, this midterm thing has been all consuming and I really have not been able to concentrate on anything besides it. And I, I hate him for it. (laughs) That's a big part of it, but I'm ultimately an optimist and I feel like there's no way he can, uh, drag the entire uh world down for that matter you know anyway so i i i'm optimistically hopeful that uh things are going to change here soon yeah Um, yeah but yeah it's been a profound distraction in my in my life definitely am i i I didn't mean to go too heavy-handed but i do feel and hear some of that anxiety and frustration and like a song like These Falling Arms, where you say, how, why, when truth comes, how can we keep on going Yeah, by? I think that is definitely my, my Trump rant. Veiled, perhaps, but um, it's definitely in there, all that of, frustration. And... All of a sudden, revisions are going by, is what you say. Right. And I feel like that speaks to this era. Anyway, I... I, I do appreciate again. I didn't mean to make this some kind of academic study of the the record on some level, but it, it it speaks to me on a few different levels, and I I enjoy the artfulness of it and the kind of indirect and direct aspects of what you've done here. So do you you mentioned that you can't wait to work on the next C and Cake record. Is that something that's churning within you already? Like, do you have a sense of where it's going to go and when it's going to happen? I mean, there's no dates set really, and it's pretty much up to me. You know, like I have to start it. Basically, that's how it goes. 
but in a way, like I was mentioning earlier, I want to set it up so that, you know, that's not spread out over a year kind of thing. I want to just sort of prepare as a band beforehand, make the record and finish it sort of all together. And I think that will make for a different, at least feeling record, you know, sort of, um, I, we really enjoy playing together and I lament the fact that we don't as much as we used to, of course, that's another, you know, the band's getting older. It's so, and now that John lives in California and kind of, but I think we could take advantage of having to, you know, make a plan to be in the same place for a certain amount of time. Is it obvious um, or fair to say that with Eric's departure, John moving on, uh, moving from Chicago, there's a certain amount of urgency now in terms of your approach to the sea and cake. Like you kind of have been rocked with this notion that it, it's um, it can't just happen any, any time it wants right. to anymore. Like you kind of have to seize it. You have to kind of make it happen more than right. maybe you used to. I mean, what's so uh, affirming of our longevity and sort of playing together is when we do get together to play like the shows and stuff, it's sort of, um, and I feel like we've never, I don't want to make a live record, but there's an essence of when we're actually playing on a stage or rehearsing or whatever. That is, I don't think you could get to any other way besides playing together for yeah. t- over 20 years. And I just feel like if we could get, take advantage of that further in a more direct way, that I think that will make a really good record which we haven't i don't feel like we've we've done yet um some of the the earliest cnk records were definitely more along those lines you know like um the biz i don't know if you're familiar with the old ones but yeah they have a certain sort of immediate immediate urgency to them and i think it's i don't know why we had all the time in the world you know in a way but it's sort of just what you do when you're in a band you make you write songs, record them, put out the records. So I think some of that is missing after having been active for so long. Yeah, and you, you guys are all... But when we get back together, you know, to play shows and do these tours, I mean, we're going to Japan tomorrow, actually, to play. And I had Archer and uh, Doug over here last night rehearsing. And I was struck by, you know, how immediate it is to just sit around and play some guitars or whatever you know i think i think of that because i often work on my own on this electronic stuff which is really unrelated to the band musically they're somewhat related but sort of how i go at it and what role i play with it is completely different and so um and i can get to a point where it's like oh yeah i don't need the scene cake anymore i can just do all this other stuff but then I recognize the certain unattainable quality that you can't get any other way unless you've been playing with these people for 20 years or whatever. Well, it's, so, it's pretty fortuitous that you have Doug McCombs uh, filling in, so to speak, or joining the band, I would think, just because yeah. he's been playing with John for you know two decades, two and a half decades, right. whatever it's been. So yeah. pretty lucky there, I would think. I agree, yeah. <laughs> and this solo stuff that you were alluding to, is there beyond the sea and cake plans, are you working on stuff that we might that you know, that might see the light of day, so to speak? I'm not actively working on anything right now. I sort of work on 
I mean, I definitely hope to make another electronic record, and it's sort of, I mean, I have to admit, I get more excited about that in some ways than like another Sea Cake record, only because it's the easier path. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be truly honest, you know, it's like, oh, I really like just messing around in my studio. It's a, I mean, it, it's quite arduous in a weird way, and it's, it's, it is really hard to do things completely solo you know it's um you know you definitely realize that you miss the support of the band members and you know it's sort of it helps to not have to make every single decision kind of in a way even though a lot of times in the cnk it feels like i'm doing that but yeah in reality i'm not actually so i'm when i'm faced with that with my solo records i'm like oh yeah this is a pain a true pain to get through this in a way. But I really just love working on that stuff. And I think it, and I feel like I've have a lot more that people should hear basically. So I feel like I've letting myself down by not putting out more music. So I, I feel like I should do that as well. Oh, that's good to hear. And I've had, yeah, yeah. And I've had amazing. Uh, so the live thing that I do with the sim stuff, I've been very excited by um, how that's been working and how people respond to it and stuff. And I feel like I haven't, I want to make a record that works on those levels as well. I just think that um, I realize the records I've made so far can be difficult for people hmm. to really get into, but I feel like I could do one that um, would be easier to like in a certain way, just based on what I do live in a way. And I think, um, I'd be interested for trying nice. something along along those lines. Yeah. Well, that's great. I I, I know that uh, any day the new Sea and Cake record is out uh, via Thrill Jockey, and, and people can go to thrilljockey.com dot com to learn more about that. Where can people? Where would you direct people to learn? Who are listening? You know, to learn more about you and and the Sea and Cake. Um. Well, that's a good way to start. I I'm really I have um. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram with my photo stuff, so I've always tell people to check that out. Um, that's become an important sort of creative outlet for me. All this photo stuff. Um, What's your uh, Instagram handle? It's at uh, one Sam Pre. So the number one and then Sam Pre. Good thing I asked. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. So check that. And the CNK has one as well, which is uh, the the CNK. I'm much so. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I usually talk about uh, you know the music stuff that I'm up to as well. Okay. But it's mainly photo based. But it's it's um, yeah. If you want to know what I'm doing, I think it's a good way to check in on me. Basically. Nice, nice. That's great. All right. Well, is there a song from any day that I can play for people right now? Is there something you can pick for us? I really like Into Rain, I think. Why did that come to mind? The top of my uh, lyric pile here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a really intricate, it's sort of, um, I mean, I think for me, it's impressively intricate uh, phrasing of the vocals and the sort of the guitar interplay is also pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know, I, I think I just like it. And it's sort of... Uh, it's kind of a weird, it's a throwback and a look look ahead simultaneously. All right, well, well put. Let's play it then. This is Into Rain by the Sea and Cake from their 
uh, latest record. Sam, thank you so much for this time today, and I wish you the best of luck with everything, and and, uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon. You're welcome. Thank you. What am I waiting for? It's not over there The seconds pass awake and I'm only finding A sort of my shift I ease I got and I'm into it So far so gone, so give, I know
Very special thanks to Sam Precop for appearing on the 442nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and on things like Spotify, YouTube, and Audioboom as well. If you're looking for an episode and you can't find it for some reason on any of those platforms, uh, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my site, vishkana.com. Everything you might want to know about me is pretty much on that site. Well, uh, hopefully. Hopefully you don't want to learn more than what's on that site. That would be strange. vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative or at vishkana. You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. And for your trouble, and if you're interested, I can send you a t-shirt uh, that I still have some in stock, uh, some t-shirts in stock uh, that uh, bear uh, the, the name of the show. One of the designs has my face on it in profile. It's a dark maroon thing. Anyway, if, you, if you'd like a shirt, let me know. Just message me on Patreon and I'll get right back to you. For their in-kind support of the show, thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, CFRU 93.3 FM, and Granddad's Donuts. Uh, they all really help. Thank you very much. Thanks also to my good pal Jim Guthrie. Uh, he lets me use uh, the instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come, to end this show each and every week. Thank you, Jim. Go to jimguthrie.org for more info about him. And finally, and uh, last but not least, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode and, and hopefully listening to other episodes and for uh, subscribing to the podcast and maybe telling your friends about the show if you think they might like the show. That's great. That that really helps. So thanks for all, uh, all the stuff that you do to keep the show uh, going. I, uh, speaking of going, I, I have to go, but I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.